Hi and welcome to Mad Island. I'm Thomas and I'm the Chief Brand Officer of Fan Booster. Mad Island is a video series where I talk to people who dare to think a little bit different and that inspires me in some kind of way. Today we're gonna meet Vazim Said. Uh, he's known as the Twitter doctor here in Norway. He's been on social media for a couple of years sharing a lot of knowledge and focus on health. He's an author uh, and he's a really inspiring uh, man that I talked a little bit about uh, where he grew up, what inspires him to share so much every day, how to find the balance and also give some kind of advice to how young entrepreneurs can grow up to do what they love. Enjoy. Hello. Hi. Zim. How are you doing? Fine, thank you. Thank you so much for coming here to Please. this weird technical office thing. <laughs> oh. Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, my, my, that's my pleasure. Um, so, um, you are, in my opinion, one of the uh, ones in Norway who uses Twitter the best way, really. Wow, really? <laughs> Thanks. Because um, all your tweets and all the things you're doing is mainly just helping people and inspiring people and and um, sharing your view of the world to the people who follow it you. And um, before we go into your background and childhood and stuff, uh, uh, what inspires you to keep on sharing and keep on doing what you're doing on, on social media? Well, uh, first of all, thank you for so, <laughs> so many nice words. <laughs> well, uh, what inspires me? I guess I, uh, I personally really appreciate people who kind of give something from themselves in order to uh, increase other people's knowledge or to lift them up to a higher level. And uh, that's why I mostly follow people that tweet about their professions uh, or their hobbies uh, or anything that I can learn something from. And um, being a man of science, I am, you know, I like to uh, contribute to increase people's uh, level of knowledge in you know, medicine or other scientific fields. So I guess that's the main thing that inspires me, um, like uh, helping other people, uh, increasing their knowledge, uh, spreading science. Those are my main goals. Cool. Yeah. And how long have you been on Twitter? Well, I think I've been, I, well, I think I got a, an account uh, a few years back, maybe four or five uh, years back, but it's really been the last three years, I think, uh, that I've been uh, really active on, on Twitter. Cool. And and uh, what made you sign up for the first time for Twitter? Did you have like a, a plan, a goal, or did you just? Well, uh, I think the initial sign up was I was sitting next to a colleague and I was just curious as to what Twitter was. I would I'd heard uh, you know everyone talking about that they were tweeting stuff and all the yeah. celebrities had Twitter accounts. So I was just curious as to what it was. Uh, so I just got an account, but um, then I thought that I should use this for something useful. And um, and I started uh, kind of uh, creating this profile um, in my account, like a, a, you know, a health kind of profile. Yeah. 
uh, and um, very soon I started to kind of, uh, you know, become this Twitter doctor, yeah. uh, <laughs> helping people uh, with their medical questions or spreading health news, um, health research, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, have, you, have, have you seen anyone else doing this, the Twitter doctor thing? People can actually ask you for help and stuff like that? Well, I know there are uh, quite a few Norwegian uh, doctors on Twitter, and uh, they also uh, answer questions. Uh, but I kind of try to do it the most. I mean, I try to stay in the lead. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, you're you're extremely active, aren't you? Yes. Well, I am. Um, I feel committed now. I mean. If uh, somebody uh, sends me a question, I feel a commitment to answer that question. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so I'm very thankful that I'm uh, able to use you know Twitter on my smartphone. Uh, I get a notification whenever somebody is trying to contact me, and I can answer quickly. Yeah, and you're really fast as well. Do you do you tweet all the time? Do you you make rules for when you tweet and don't? Uh, I mean, when you're with your family and... Yes, well, first of all, when I'm at work, uh, when I'm tweeting patients, obviously I don't have my phone with me. Uh, and I try not to tweet uh, during, uh, um, during daytime when I'm at the hospital. Yeah. Uh, apart from when I'm, you know, uh, having my lunch break or something like that, yeah. or in between patients a little. But I, I try not to make uh, you know, this interfere with my with my work. Okay. And also, when I'm at home, um, I try to kind of limit myself, especially when I'm with the children. I try to give them some sort of quality time where they don't have to see the dad with a phone in his face. No. Uh, so, but it is a balance. I mean, um, I try not to tweet uh, while I'm with them, but um, sometimes I do. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and what do you? Does the hospital and, and the people you work with, uh, how do you, they react on, on you sharing and, and talking so much about health and, you know, serious questions sometimes? Yeah, well, um, mostly I've gotten very positive responses, uh, both from my employers, uh, but also from other colleagues uh, at my hospital or at other hospitals. Uh, and, um, and I think... Uh, uh, part of the reason is that uh, I don't try to do anything like, w well, when I'm answering medical questions, I don't think uh, say things that are very, f you know, fantastic or uh, supernatural or alternative. I kind of stick to the scientific methods. Yeah. I stick to the guidelines. I the answers that I give, the, the medical, the, you know, the, uh, the answer to the medical questions that I get are uh, answers you would find in, you know, the ordinary medical guidelines for doctors. So I try to stay very faithful to my, my profession and to the science. Yeah, that's probably a very good idea. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> so um, I want to get to know you better. So I want us to, to go back um, and Tell me about more like your, your childhood, where, where did you grow up and, and, and we're going to move until how you ultimately ended up here as a doctor. But tell me a little about your childhood, where did you grow up? Uh, well, uh, well, as you can see, I'm not kind of uh, an ethnic Norwegian. I, my parents, they uh, came from uh, Pakistan back in the 70s when uh, Norway needed uh, workforce. 
and uh, I was born here in Norway in 1975 and uh, we moved uh, uh, around a bit in Oslo but mostly I've uh, grown up uh, in a part of Oslo called Hovsete which is the western part of Oslo. Yeah. Uh, we were pretty much the only kind of foreigner family in the neighborhood. It was quite a, a white area, so to say. And uh, but I had a happy childhood. Uh, we were four siblings, and we played with each other. We had lots of friends in the neighborhood. Um, that's where I grew up. Um, and then I, well, I think it was always my parents' wish that I become a doctor. Actually, really? uh, yeah, my father wanted to become a doctor when he was young. But unfortunately, at, he was growing up uh, at a time in Pakistan where, you know, only the rich people got to be doctors. Okay. So he couldn't afford the money to get into college and to pay for his uh, education. Uh, but he became a lawyer instead. Oh. But he really wanted to study medicine, so he kind of inspired us from, from uh, you know, in the childhood. Uh, to become uh, become doctors, uh, and um, and my parents created that interest by giving us you know simple children's books with about anatomy or physiology and chemistry and biology, and we would read them and become interested. And uh, so, but when I applied, you know, uh, at the University of Oslo uh, for the medical studies, it was because that's what I wanted to do. Yeah, it was not to please my parents. It was a genuine interest inside of me. How old were you when you applied? I applied when I was 21. 21. Yeah. So uh, before that, um, what what was your first job, for example? Did you before medical yeah, school? Yeah. Did you work as? Yes. I, when I was a teenager, I used to uh, have you know I had a paper out. I yeah. used to <laughs> hand out newspapers. And uh, when I got a little older, I was working at this. Uh, I was work actually working at Pizza Hut at the oh, okay. yeah at the Oslo um, airport. Yeah. And um, and then I was uh, I started working for a traveling agency a little, but uh, during the medical studies, I I started working as you know a, an assistant or helper at the emergency center in uh, in Oslo. Yeah. So uh, that was that was probably my first, and later I started working as a doctor at that center. That was my first kind of medical job. And and as you started studying and 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 working as an assistant, did it feel right and natural right at the beginning? Did you feel like you made the right decision, or was it kind of a hard thing to get into? Oh no, I I felt very comfortable from the from the get go. I mean, I was. Uh, being with patients is uh, really my favorite thing. You know, I I enjoy talking to old women. I or old uh, patients. Yeah. If if you uh, if you if you're going to be a doctor, you have to like old people. I mean, because patients are mostly old. Oh really? Yeah, they are. And uh, you know, I I really enjoy the company. Uh, I like talking to them, comforting them, helping them. So it felt right from the beginning. And um, you know, just to see the gratitude in people's eyes when you're helping them. Uh, and uh, to really feel that you are making a difference for someone, uh, making other people happy, that is uh, that was an extraordinary feeling from from the start. So I really enjoyed it. That's good. Mm. And I, I would imagine when you just started studying and started working as an assistant, you you kind of feel like you you have to to learn and adapt and to kind of earn your respect in some kind of way. 
when did you start speaking your mind? I know you, you write some articles from newspapers from time to time, a book we're going to talk about more later. Um, when, when did you feel the urge for like speaking up and, and becoming more of a public face? Mm -hmm. How did that happen? Well, that happened, I guess, uh, when I was just starting to study. Uh, and um, I'd always been kind of politically interested. And uh, during my years at the University of Oslo, I was elected f uh, for the student parliament from the Faculty of Medicine. And uh, I was in the student parliament for three years. And that's um, and then I was also in different uh, student organizations, um, and um, yeah, well, we will actually uh, four or five friends, uh, which were quite active um, in in the discussions and uh, in in the politics, and uh, I think we kind of inspired each other. Uh, I have a good friend which. Many of the viewers probably know uh, Abid Raja, who is a famous Norwegian uh, politician. Yeah, uh, and we met early on in the university. So, um, so he was always kind of uh, uh, an idol in that sense because he was very, um, you know, outspoken and uh, uh, participated in lots of debates. And uh, so we kind of inspired each other. That's cool. And what was th what was the first kind of public thing you did? did? Did you write an article or did you...? Um, I, it was probably probably some newspaper yeah. article uh, or, you know, a, uh, or a radio show or a even TV debate or something like that. Um, did it feel scary at first, speaking up so publicly about things that um, you're passionate for? No, because I've always kind of uh, believed in uh, what I say, and uh, and when I, especially when I'm kind of speaking about touchy matters, uh, I feel that um, morally or ethically, uh, I've taken the right position. So I feel comfortable in saying what I'm saying because I really mean it. So uh, in that sense, um, uh, when you have that sense of security that what you're saying is right, uh, I think it feels less scary. Uh, and, um, and you know, there's, there comes a time when you just have to say what you have to say, what you mean, and, uh, and speak out, and, uh, and that's what I do. That's good. Yeah, and uh, of course, I mean, uh, the first time I was in a TV studio with all the lights, or with the first time I was in a radio studio, you know, the fear of making a mistake or uh, uh, saying something wrong, that, that's, that was always there, but uh, you kind of get used to it. Yeah. yeah. And um, so you, 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 you're in school studying, you're working as assistant, you're getting more and more media exposure. Did you have um, any kind of, of, of bad episodes with, with the press where you felt mistreated or misquoted in, in any ways? Or? You know, I have to say I've been very lucky. I have never uh, had bad experiences uh, with the press, and I work with them a lot. Uh, I'm, well, I think uh, journalists from the biggest newspaper almost call me weekly for some kind of statement or, or help in some medical article. And, and my experience is that they just want to make, write a good article. That's yeah. their goal. They want to, uh, you know, they want to convey a good message. 
and uh, and if you help them, if you treat them with respect, and you know, um, they've never kind of uh, got me into trouble. Uh, I say what I th feel is right, and I always ask them to send me, you know, bef uh, send me the article before they publish it, so I can check my quotes. Yeah, and uh, and actually that has uh, always worked for me. Cool. Yeah. Um, the good thing now is that. In addition to, to getting press and exposure there, you, you have the possibility to use social media as a platform to, yeah. to build your personal brand and express your opinions and, and your thoughts about things. Um, did you have a, did you use any social media before Twitter? Did you, in like a professional way? Uh, no, I, um, well, I mean, uh, Facebook and Twitter were really the first social media yeah. that I got into. and. Facebook, I've always kept kind of, uh, you know, for family and friends, yeah. uh, and uh, and Twitter was really my platform. It suited me, you know. With uh, you have a uh, limited uh, amounts of characters to use, so you have to express yourself clearly and sharply, um, and you really don't have to get into these long debates, which you could sometimes have in other forums. Yeah. Uh, so I really liked that, uh, and I embraced that. Cool. Do you use any other social platforms now? Like, do you have a blog or uh, a website? Yes, I, I do have a blog. I am not good at maintaining it because um, I'm writing so many articles for like newspapers and uh, and other stuff that I kind of don't have the time to maintain my blog. Yeah. And uh, well, and I obviously I have the Instagram, uh, putting out photos mostly of my family and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and uh, but I think it's for me it's like it's Twitter that's my kind of is that's my social media. Yeah. yeah, I saw a couple of weeks ago that you you have this thing called MedQuiz. Yeah, MediQuiz. MediQuiz. Yeah, uh, where you um, can you tell me a little bit about what what that is? Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've had a lot of you know interest in this thing. Uh, well, this, uh, people have responded a lot. What MediQuiz is. Is and I'm not quite sure how I got the idea, but well, no, I, I know I know how I got the idea. Mediquiz is that I kind of present a medical case, yeah. which is a bit complicated, a bit exciting. So I, you know, give hints um, about the patient tweet by tweet, and uh, and uh, my followers they are they try to guess the the correct diagnosis. And um, I would like say, okay, it's a 40-year-old male, and he's ha been having a fever for so many days, and he's coughing, and you know, the blood tests are showing this, the X-rays are showing this, and then suddenly, dramatic happens. He gets worse. He's admitted to the hospital. Uh, he's suddenly bleeding from his mouth. What can this be? You know. So I kind of try to uh, dramatize a little, uh, and and the followers they're trying to guess what it is, and I've got. People are really interested. They love, uh, uh, you know, participating, and it's mainly uh, non-health professional people that are participating. So it's not like for other doctors or nurses. It's ordinary people. Yeah. Uh, and uh, this, they just think it's so exciting. They feel like they're kind of um, part of uh, uh, an episode with House MD or something like that. Yeah. And um, yeah, well, it's it's received a lot of attention. That's cool, and that's also my way of another way of you know uh, spreading uh, spreading knowledge and science, but in a fun way. Yeah, yeah, because 
the thing I like the most about that is that you're you, you know you're focusing on on health and and making people more aware of of everything out there mm -hmm. but in like a non looking down to you kind of way it's, it's mm -hmm. very e equal and fun and entertaining and also you learn a lot by doing it yeah. and and I'm surprised that you know governments and stuff like that have, have haven't started using social media in in that way because I think that's the way people interact with with each other on social media they respond to stories and, and feelings and drama and 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 stuff like exactly, that exactly so so I think that's that's really really cool um, what uh, what else do you use Twitter for you you can ask questions yeah and you that's can have the, uh, I, I uh, the other thing that's um, very popular is that uh, I have these so-called Twitter consultations yeah and uh, where uh, people send me their you know medical questions and uh, and that of course there's um, uh, rests a lot of responsibility on my shoulders when people are communicating with me in that sense because traditionally a consultation between a doctor and a patient is something that goes on behind closed doors privately. Yeah. Now here it's fully exposed and everyone else can see what what the patient is talking about and what the doctor is saying. But I'm not uh, I I choose not to underestimate people because I think people that are on the social media they know uh, what they're dealing with. Yeah. They know how it works. And and that also reflects in the kind of questions I get. I don't get the you know really heavy or private questions about uh, intimate things or anything like that. Uh, they're mostly uh, kind of light questions yeah. uh, and um, you know people are just looking for quick answers and um, so it, it kind of works out by its own in that sense. Cool. Um, you just I just thought uh, you just released uh, your first book? Or is yes, it's my first book. It's your first book. Yes, it's my only book so it's far. It's your only <laughs> book so far. Uh, um, on life and death, Leave or Dead? Yeah. Yeah. How, uh, how did that book come to life? Oh, well, uh, again, I have to kind of thank uh, social media and Twitter for that because uh, I was uh, approached by um, a publicist. Yeah. Uh, who who was following me on Twitter, cool. and uh, and she thought that the things that I was doing with MediQuiz, you know, uh, um, these these dramas or these uh, these histories about people, patients, uh, she thought that they were really interesting, and uh, she uh, so she contacted me and wanted me to write a book about patient stories, and that's what my book is about. It's it's called On Life and Death, and uh, it's about the different aspects of being a doctor, you know, the things we have to deal with in everyday work, things like life and death and sorrow and pain and hope uh, and joy and stuff like that. So it's uh, a collection of uh, patient stories uh, that reflect these different aspects, and it's also my thoughts on that. And I think um, what draws people uh, uh, towards these stories or what makes them interesting is that people like to read about other people. They like to read about, you know, real life things. And, uh, and that's what makes both um, uh, these quizzes and also perhaps my book appealing. Cool. And, and how was the process of, of writing a book? Uh, when I wrote my first book, I, I 
expected it to be fairly easy in mm -hmm. some kind of way. You mm -hmm. kind of think of it's 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 a lot of words and pages, but it's something I'm really passionate about. So it shouldn't be a problem writing this book. Did you did it take a, take a long time? Well, you know, I had the material in my head, so I needed to sort it out and. Uh, and write it. Uh, so uh, I had to be choosy about which which stories I wanted to include, and uh, and I also like you thought that it would be easy, uh, but uh, it was a learning experience for me. And I have to say it was a steep learning curve. I I, I learned a lot, uh, and I also you know you, when you're sitting there and you're writing and in your head it seems super good what you're writing. Then you know the sentences you're writing they sound so so perfect and, and then you send a couple of chapters to your editor and get them back with all the red lines yeah. and you know <laughs> edits so you kind of get uh, downhearted a bit but yeah. uh, but they do it because they uh, they want to improve your manuscript and that's what I learned that uh, you know working with an editor is actually uh, such a privilege yeah uh, they really improve your writing they do um, and and the final product uh, are you proud of the product is it the best it could be well, I mean, um, I I always uh, seek to improve. Yeah. Uh, I uh, think th I feel that things can be done better, but I'm fairly proud of my book. I think, uh, and I've um, everybody who's read it uh, has uh, given me positive feedback. Uh, they've liked it, and a lot of people say that they've been touched and even shed some tears. And that's really heartwarming for me to read that I've kind of reached people with my message. So I'm really grateful for all those feedbacks. I can imagine. Yeah. Um, before uh, we went into this interview, I, I asked uh, Twitter if they had any questions for you. Okay, great. And and uh, and, and most of the people uh, responded with, "How do you have time for doing?" everything you're doing it, it kind of felt like <laughs> people felt we were like this superhuman because you're always responding always sharing always I don't know so so full of, of uh, love if you know what I mean you're yeah. always thank you there so so how do you how do you manage your time how, how do you how do you put all this into your everyday life being so accessible and still working as a doctor and and being a father yeah, well, um, I hope I'm able to do all those things. <laughs> uh, I well, it's uh, it's a choice I made uh, and uh, something I committed to. So, so it's kind of become a lifestyle. I have my phone with me all the time, uh, and uh, I expect myself to be accessible. So I have to make an effort to do that. Yeah, it's, it's not just something that comes automatically. I'm very lucky to have a very loving and caring wife, uh, and she is very patient. Uh, so uh, she kind of puts up with uh, all the things that I do, and um, and I I think uh, mostly I it's it's because of uh, the internet which allows me to do all this. If you were to take uh, into it internet away, I mean, I would not be able to do any of this. How would I do it? I can't even imagine that. So I think that you know the technology with the, with, with the internet has really revolutionized the way we uh, communicate with uh, with each other, and um, uh, and it just makes it so much easier. 
Um, and, and I'm kind of, I've always been kind of a technology geek. You know, I love gadgets and uh, things like that. Anything that can make things go quicker and faster and more streamlined, you know, I love stuff like that. So I embrace technology and I use it. I think um, I'm no superhuman. I, uh, <laughs> I should definitely sleep more. I could, you know, I could uh, probably spend more time with friends and family and uh, but uh, it's kind of a choice I've made, so I'm sticking, it, sticking with it by now. And it's, it's also uh, part of my strategy. You know, I, um, as you said, I, I use social media to uh, kind of build, uh, build a brand, a brand name. Uh, and um, I feel that I've succeeded. I, I've, I've, uh, I've achieved a lot of stuff because of this commitment. So uh, it's given a lot, of, a lot back to me as well. That's good. Mm -hmm. Um, in terms of, of responding quickly and, and stuff like that, do you sometimes feel that you you wish you could be, be left alone just for a couple of hours and, and you feel like you have to respond on things or are you able to actually put it away when you actually need to? Uh, well, when I have to put it away, like when I'm working, yeah. I, I have no problem putting it away. No. When I'm at home, um, I I think it's, uh, my family would probably say that it's a bad habit I have. I have to check the phone all the time. I am kind of an informa information junkie. Yeah. I have to check the newspapers, you know, the, uh, all the time. I have to check if I'm getting any new notifications. So uh, right now I'm not kind of tired by it. I love communicating with people. You know, just, just the idea of uh, helping someone or talking to someone who might be on the other side of the world instantaneously. I just feel find that so appealing uh, that uh, I, I don't have any problem being accessible. That's good. Um, all this technology uh, are just all around us. And, and what I'm experiencing in seeing is that people sometimes have the... It's, it's difficult to balance sometimes. You have like, you're on a mission. So for you, it's, it's, I think it's much easier to be accessible, to, to share things, because you're really, really passionate about it. But I think that people are, are trying or are not aware enough of how much time they spend online in front of a screen. I think that some, some people use it as much as they actually start losing balance with the with the real life and with the real relations and real conversations and I I see so much people having conversations on on, um, on the streets or in a restaurant and and they're both stuck in in the screen yeah do you do you see this as uh, a growing problem like health-wise for the next years uh, well it's, it's difficult to say what kind of health impact it it might have uh, uh, I always, you know, felt that I was in control of things. But yeah. then, um, you know, my wife got a new smartphone and she started using Facebook on her phone. And I was so annoyed. I mean, I, I was like, can you give me some attention? And, yeah. then, I th and then I thought, okay, this is me actually. Yeah. I'm doing the same stuff as her. So that kind of restricted me a little. Um, Health-wise, I don't know if it's... Uh, if you're on the uh, if you're on the you know uh, metro uh, or on a, on a train, you see everybody is sitting with their smartphones. Yeah. 
and you can and you can you know kind of roll with your eyes and say oh man look at those people but go 15 years back go 20 years back what were they holding then yeah. everybody wa everybody uh, was holding a newspaper and they were still not communicating with, with each other on the trains yeah. so it's kind of no different from that i agree but i <coughs> i do see I feel that i i see a lot of children uh, sitting with their smartphones with their uh, with their necks bent forward and you know holding their phone like this for hours playing these games and stuff like that uh, and um, I can imagine I can actually imagine that some you know uh, children getting uh, tension headaches and neck pains and stuff like that uh, I don't think I think at least children should be restricted yeah and 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 two other things I see is that one I I see a lot of parents just in their phone instead of actually paying attention to their child and, and yeah. they're playing soccer and, and stuff like that, which mm -hmm. I think is really sad. But uh, I, I've, I've done some research in terms of people checking their emails and Twitter in bed before they sleep. Okay. I, I learned that actually the, the, the light that reflects your eyes right mm -hmm. before you actually are going to sleep actually mm -hmm. makes you wake more up. So I, I, I mm -hmm. have a lot of friends who complain that they have trouble sleeping and, and, and stuff like that and I think that's also maybe something to do with all the technology yeah, around I think us. I have to say guilty as charged yeah. because <laughs> yeah. uh, I, ha I have a bad habit of checking my smartphone before going to bed yeah. and I think that okay I'm just going to check if I'm getting a new mail and it, of course it ends up with 10 or 15 minutes in the bed with the light in your face and uh, it sure makes me more awake yeah and you know it delays the sleeping process by half an hour yeah uh, and I do feel that uh, the nights that I do that uh, I don't sleep as well and um, I'm more tired in the morning so definitely uh, this light stimulates our hormones and uh, makes her makes us more lucid more awake yeah um, so uh, I think people should start stop uh, using <laughs> their phones before going to bed, and that applies to me first and foremost. Yeah, <laughs> I just find it interesting. But but we both agree, social media technology—it's it, amazing possibilities. It could give everyone a voice. But I, I think that it's it's just important to have like like a balance in it and, and how how you how you use it. But the people I interview, I, I often ask them. Um, young people who sees up to to you mm -hmm. for uh, the way you use social media the way your thoughts the way you share things the way you 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 create your personal brand um, do you have any advice to them in terms of of how they can um, you know uh, become what they they dream of you you kind of you kind of follow this really straight path from reading children's book about health to mm -hmm. being a doctor and now being a public figure and public doctor and, and helping people in a broad sense of way. Um, what kind of advice would you give young entrepreneurs that wants to, you know, work with what they love every day? Well, um, I think first of all, we're very lucky to be living in a country where you can always change paths. Now, as you say, I've you know been on the same path from from my childhood, but uh, fortunately, we are uh, uh, we are living in a society where you are able to change what you want to do. But if you um, 
I think if you, you know, have, ch have chosen your path and you really want to excel in that field, uh, you should have a strategy, you should have a plan, you should have a goal, what you want to achieve, and you should, you know, work towards that goal um, with your strategy. And, um, and when it comes to social media, I think um, y uh, in order to be successful on Twitter, you have to have something to say. Yeah. I mean, you have, if, if you want people to listen to you, you must have a message or else they will not listen to you. True. So you ha must have something interesting to say. Uh, number two, you have to use, you know, uh, it's called social media, so you have to be social. You have to communicate with uh, your followers or your friends on social media so that they feel that they are getting something from you, that they are communicating with you, being social with you. And um, and I think yeah it's well uh, I I think with with Twitter or or Facebook it's easy to kind of get lost you know get in these these uh, you know funny uh, joking things and just saying you know wasting your time saying lot of lots of meaningless stuff yeah uh, so you should try to be a bit careful because especially if you're building a brand name for yourself a personal brand name you should think about what you're putting out there because that's what people are going to identify with you. So if you're basically, you know, uh, tweeting uh, memes of uh, funny things and jokes and stuff like that, then well, people might perceive you as a joker. So uh, try to be, I mean, I'm not saying that you should never be, uh, have fun on, uh, on, uh, on Twitter. I, uh, I like to make jokes. I, I occasionally post funny stuff. But you have to think through what you really want people to perceive you like. True. It's very true. Mm. So you're now a successful doctor. You've written a book. Um, you have a lot of followers and, and a strong brand. Uh, what's, what's next for you? What's your next challenge? What's your next goal? Well, I, th I think you would be one of my idols because oh. I mean, uh, working in media like you are producing TV programs and um, I think what I would really love to do is uh, is to make TV documentaries. You know, continue with this spreading of knowledge and science uh, to th through that medium because TV is really the ultimate medium to reach people with. Uh, it's you know you can really make some impact uh, through t to television. So. I would like, I would love to make documentaries like you have this um, British doctor called Michael Mosley who's making these uh, documentaries about health related stuff. You have this physicist called Brian Cox which makes documentaries about, you know, astronomy and stars and uh, planets. You have Richard Dawkins about biology and stuff like that. So I would really like to go into, that would be a challenge for me yeah. to try to, to master that field. Uh, so, so hopefully one day I'll be given the chance to do that. That's cool. Mm. Perfect. Okay, I'm just going to check uh, real quick for some questions here. Uh, yeah, la last question now from, from one of the Twitter followers you have is that um, how do you When you're a doctor, as you were saying, you, you, you experience sometimes bad things and sometimes good things. And, and, and 
is it hard to balance that in terms of taking all your feelings uh, back to your home, to your family, and and social media and, and sharing? Is it is is it emotional hard to you know kind of balance that out? Um, that's a very good question, and you know, being a doctor is really like being on an emotional, uh, you know, uh, roller coaster. Uh, you have your highs and lows. Uh, you you may lose a patient uh, one minute, and then you know, uh, be joyful about saving the life of the next one the next minute. So it's you really experience all the feelings in the emotional spectrum yeah. uh, in one day. And uh, and it can be exhilarating, and it can really make you tired. Um, for me, the drive home, the 30 to 40 minutes drive home, is really important. I just forget everything. I turn on the radio and you know try to relax as much as possible. And also, uh, being with my family uh, gives me lots of energy. Uh, seeing my children, I love to you know talk to them, hear about what their days have been like and uh, I think my family is my buffer uh, they r really balance me with um, yeah if I if I hadn't had them I would spend the nights thinking about all the mistakes I maybe made during the day things that I could have done better the patients that I lost I would be kind of in my profession 24 hours a day so uh, having a family, uh, exercising, going for a run really clears my mind. Yeah. Doing simple motoric things, uh, which don't require, you know, uh, lots of thinking. That's the way I clear my mind. So I really need that. Yeah. Cool. Okay, I think that that's all the questions. Thank you so much for your time. It's uh, it's been really inspiring to get to know you better. Thank you very much for staying. Uh, and uh, yeah, everyone should just follow you on on Twitter. <laughs> okay. Vasim <laughs> Said. Uh, we'll put the handle down there. And uh, thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Thank you, Thomas. Okay. Okay. Cheers. So bra. Da skal vi bare slå av streamen. Boom. Hvordan gikk det, synes du? Kjempekult. Det var ikke gøy? Jo, det var veldig gøy. Ja, jeg synes du hadde så mange bra spørsmål. Uh, veldig relevante og uh, akkurat de tingene som jeg liker å snakke om. Så bra. Det var veldig bra. Jeg har fått litt hjelp av Twitter også, selvfølgelig, til å finne de riktige spørsmålene. Men uh, det er sånne spørsmål jeg synes er viktig å, viktig å høre perspektivet til folk på.